Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Welcome today. I have a guest that I can't wait personally to ask questions to because it's all about our brain. And heaven knows I want to know as much as I can to save as much of it as I can. Let me just tell you about Lee Richardson. She is the founder of the Brain Performance Center and obviously a clinical director. She came to this career uh, a little surreptitiously. What's that word? Meaning from personal experience, it got her into this career, and I'd love to ask you about that. So welcome, Lee, to our show today. Thank you, Valerie, so much for having You're me. You're so welcome. And it's a such a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk about, you know, how this all got started. Well, tell us about that. And You've got a book out we're going to talk about that led to all of this. I mean, that was a culmination of it, too. What happened to you that got you into this? Well, I have twin boys, and today they're 31 years old. And I know I'm dating myself with that. But when they were in second grade, one of them got hit by a car. Mm. And the other one actually watched it happen. And at the time, I didn't know who I was more worried about. So we, we get grab them. We go to the emergency room. Yes, she had a concussion. And we, got, we were very blessed. We got through it. Everything was okay until he got in fifth grade. He gets goes into fifth grade, and this was a while ago. And he says, "Mom, I got I got to talk to you. I need some help." I'm like, "Okay, what can I? How can I help you?" And he says, "Mom, I have ADHD." And I said, "You can't have ADHD. I don't even know what that is." And he said, "Well, I can't remember things anymore. I have trouble focusing, and I can't concentrate." And I was just shocked. And I said, "Okay, I got this." I said, I'm going to go to the school, and I'm going to talk to the school counselor. So I go up there, and I explain, you know, the situation. My son thinks he has ADHD, and he, I need to help him. And she said, your son doesn't have ADHD. He's never failed anything. He's never been a behavior problem. Your son's lazy. And oh, I said, great. I said, okay, you know, because they are twins, and, and his strengths were very different than the other one. Um, who was more book smart. I said, okay, maybe he is a little lazy. But he came to me and he asked for help. Mm. What can I do to help him? And she said, well, put him on medication. And I said, why would I do that? You just told me there's nothing wrong with him. She said, well, that's all you can do. So as a mom, I had to do something. I had to help him. And what I had noticed from the fifth grade, and fifth grade is a hard year, it's a transitionary year, but his self-esteem had really started to slip. And that I made up my mind, I've got to do something. I've got to find help for him. So I started looking and just checking around, and I found a neurologist over here in Dallas, Dr. Walker, um, and put 
started doing treatments with Dr. Walker, then I did them for myself. I've been in ICU twice with brain injury. And the first time I lost my sense of smell. And at the first time I did neurofeedback, I got my sense of smell back. By that time, I'm convinced this is the greatest stuff in the world. And I, you know, I'm gonna make a career change. And so I grabbed Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker, get in here, let me talk to you, sit down. Let me tell you what the deal is. And he's like, okay. I said, I'm gonna go up to UNT. I'm gonna do my didactic training in the lab up there. Then I'm gonna come back down here and I'm gonna do my internship with you. And if you're lucky, I just might work for you. And he laughed and he said, okay. And that is exactly what happened. And did I got board certified in 2004 and worked for him until 2009. And mm. I was so touched at the difference I saw it make in my son and, and me personally too. Mm -hmm. But to see my son go from the point where he just no self-esteem, low self-confidence, thinking he couldn't do anything academic to the point where, you know, he graduated from DU, Denver University. Mm -hmm. So he obviously got his his brain working the right way. Wow, what a story. You know, to, to have someone in the field that's not only your children went through this, your son, the other one saw it, that had to be traumatic. And what were your brain injuries? Mine were, uh, my boys were very young. I was living in Connecticut and it was a July 4th, we were at a pig roast. And in Connecticut, all the houses have basements mm -hmm. and had all my cute little new shoes and little skirt and I was helping clear, bringing things in from outside and using the basement stairs. And I slipped, hit my head on a concrete floor mm -hmm. in the basement, woke up in the hospital, had no idea where I was, what happened. Um, and I was very lucky. The only thing, when they told me you've lost a sense, mm. a sense, and I thought, thank gosh, it's not my eye. With two two-year-olds, mm. I have to be able to see. I have to be able to hear. And at the time, I thought, it's no big deal. It's my sense of smell. But, Valerie, just stop and think about what do you remember from sense Thanksgiving? Of smells, absolutely. You know, you, sm you smell something before you ever taste it. That's true. And that sense of smell has a direct connection to the brain. There are so many ways I could take this interview. I want to go back to the one thing you said about your son coming to you and asking for help and a teacher saying, put him on meds. And this was some time ago. He was, it was. second grade, now he's 31. Right. So fast forward to today. Mm-hmm. And we're all seeing so much stress in our city, in our schools, in our world. Is it getting that much worse? And what can we do about kids? Let's just stick on kids that maybe aren't coming to their parents, but teachers could be very aware of issues. What should we be doing and saying to these kids instead of putting them on meds? Well, I think the first thing that we have to do is really understand, and it's hard because the only assessment that the schools use for ADHD is just a verbal. You know, do you have problems paying attention? Can you not sit still in your chair? Um, and for anxiety, unless someone has to leave the classroom or breaks down into tears, you know, it's hard when you're, it's hard to pick up on. 
But I think that as parents, we need to be aware of how's your, how is school today? How is your day today? You know, and anytime your child doesn't really want to go to school, mm-hmm. there's a reason. Or anytime your child is going down to the nurse's office to lay down on a regular basis, the tummy hurts, mm-hmm. there's a reason. And we have to stop and, and pay attention to that. And our first re- our first response to everything these days is medication. It is. It is, isn't it? It is. Not only kids, but what about in the workplace? Recognizing as a leader, as an example, if one of your people might be going through some things and recognizing that. Um, I was sharing with you before the show a situation where a senior vice president was very busy and one of his uh, employees was having difficulty and he really didn't recognize it because the employee was quiet anyway. And as it turned out, unfortunately, this man committed suicide. My client couldn't get over it because he felt like he had not recognized it and was partially to blame. So what are some signs that in the workplace we can look for, especially for people who are quiet and more introverted? You know, it is hard when people don't really make eye contact and don't really interact with their coworkers anyway. But I think that, you know, look for changes in behavior. Is that person they used to get up and walk outside a couple of times a day to get some fresh air, or they would they would go have lunch with somebody. They may not interact, but they would they would go with some people to have lunch. Are they socially isolating? Are they just staying at their desk with their head down? Are they a little more irritable? Are they slower to respond, or do they respond too quickly? Are they becoming more impulsive? So look for changes in their behavior. And you know, I think everybody should be checking in. We all need to check in on each other. No matter where you work, there's some level, some sense of community. And that sense of community means you're checking in on people. Well, checking in is very much a part of this whole thing about engagement. If you Mm -hmm. don't engage regularly with your people, you don't know enough about their behaviors because you're not around them enough so that's that's wise and sage advice what about people uh, who are just having difficulty with let's say giving a talk giving a speech when I teach presentation skills often someone will say I just I get so anxious before I have to go in and make a board presentation or even getting in front of their team so do you have any tricks maybe just physically that they can do that you'd share actually and, and you know public speaking is one of the biggest fears that a lot of people have yes, it is. they'd rather take a bullet yep. than have to go and stand, do a presentation in front of a crowd right. so the first thing i say is you know feel grounded feel and sometimes i'll say sit down put your feet on the floor mm-hmm. you know feel grounded in your chair put your hands on your knees just feel grounded and then think about your breathing because when we're talking I have to take 12 to 14 breaths a minute to say everything I want to say (laughs) but my optimal breath rate is five breaths a minute 
and everybody's optimal breath rate is between four and seven breaths. And to breathe that slowly, to actually feel that breath down in your tummy, uh -huh. it's hard work and you have to focus. So it distracts you from your anxiety. And then the last thing I think the best stress reducer there is, is take your left hand, these two fingers, and it's the meridians of energy that connect to the brain, and hold it very gently with your right hand. Gently. And breathe. Take 10 deep breaths. And it's we very calming. Uh -huh. It is extremely calming. And what I like about it is you can do it anywhere. I can just put my hand under the table. That's right. You know, you can really do it. You could even just, nobody knows what you're doing. <laughs> I love that. That's a really good tip. So tell us about um, your book that is just coming out and took a long time for you to get there. I know it was a journey, but it's called Brain On, Game On. And there are some things in here I've already really taken to. Um, what would you tell us about what you want the audience who would buy this book to get from it primarily? What's the main thing? The main thing is everybody has some anxiety or mm. some depression or some grief or some trauma and it is okay you know we don't have the mindset power through it just push through it yeah. you know and my advice is don't do that lean into it okay i'm 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 having a bad day lean into it because you you'll come out stronger if you accept it and that's really what why i wrote the book is we've got to have a better understanding of mental health look at the suicide rate today look at the overdose rates today people are having a difficult time just getting through life and if they could have that that suicide decision that is a decision that is made within 10 minutes in the brain and if they had mm. the opportunity to stop and say you know what i'm having a bad day i'm going to go outside i'm going to get some fresh air or i'm going to call my my spouse or my partner you know utah and oregon just passed state laws that students can take mental health days the same way that they can take a sick day is that right? Yes. What do they have to say to say, I need to take this day? They just say, I need to take a mental health day. And, you know, so many people, well, they'll probably abuse it. One or two may, but Isn't most. Interesting. I think being able to take that break when you need it, mm -hmm. you're able to come back stronger. Lee, human behavior is such an interesting topic, just period. What about at work when you're having difficulty with, let's say, a coworker, and that can be very stressful, particularly if it's a boss or someone that you're around a lot. What advice would you give to someone dealing with that kind of stress every day? And you can't get away from it. No, you what can't. Can you do? And you know, a lot of times it's just different communication skills and styles. Some people don't think anything about, hey, I need this done. And they don't mean to come off as abrupt and brisk. 
that's their style. So what I want to encourage people to do is just stop and think about what your style is. Mm-hmm. Understand your style and then look at other people's style. And, you know, that'll help you improve your communication skills because you realize, you know what, maybe I say it three or four times before I actually leave. And maybe that other person is saying, okay, Lee, I got it. I got it the first time. You know, so I think style is important. I think always making eye contact with somebody is important. And I think picking the right time to communicate. If somebody's running in the door late and you know that and you know they have a meeting in 10 minutes, now's not the time to go get that signature or make your case for another cause. You know, think, be intentional with the way that you communicate. So style is very important, and it's something that um, it's just a core of relationships. If you know that you're a driver, as an example, and you just say to your people, well, I'm just the way I am, take me or leave me, you're going to get left a lot of the time. That is not going to create a culture that we want to work within, right? Well, what that what that I hear when you say that, well, you don't care mm-hmm. if I like you or not. That's right. Take me or leave me. That's what they're saying, isn't it? It is. <laughs> now, it may not. I'm not saying that's what they mean. What they also could mean is, please accept me for what I am. Okay, and that's fair. But let's take it to emotional intelligence. This big thing with all the assessments, and yes, I give this too. A lot of people aren't aware, Lee, of their style making an impact that's not good in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So if you're working for someone like that, again, what can you do? Are you supposed to just go and say, you know, let me just tell you how this is affecting me? Do you do you confront it? What would you say? Well, I have to be honest. My style is more I would confront it, but I would confront it from a standpoint of, you know, I'm having a hard time with some of our communications. What can I do Excellent. to make it better? Excellent. There you go. I'm so glad you said that. You know, communication is two-way. It is. And if you don't have a good communication, it behooves both of you to have some kind of a conversation outside of the workplace if possible. Mm-hmm. Like let's take a walk or have a cup of coffee, but confront it or it's just going to get worse. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go and away. And I think that sometimes other people may recognize it too, but they may not have the courage to address it. Courage. That's right. There's a lot of that going on, too. What would you say uh, has been the most wonderful outcome of your work? Is there a story that you might share with us where someone has come to you and you really have made a difference in their life? I have been so blessed. And four of my greatest stories actually film testimonials, and they're on my YouTube channels. So... But, you know, every day, my whole goal is to help you get to the next level. It's all about taking it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, for instance, Dustin was in a car accident. He was the only one that lived, was in the hospital for a year. This is a client. This is a client. Was I mean, what he went through was incredible. 
But it's just as important to me for that person that they're so anxious that they don't get to they don't get to work every day and they're getting ready to lose their job or they're so depressed that they're social socially isolating and all their friends are just about done with them. You know, it's so it's mm. just as important to me to help them get to that next level so that they not only can keep their job but they can start to think about what's the next step for me. You know, professionally, personally, and even if it's a high school kid, they so want to get in that school. They so want to get those SAT scores. And a lot of time, if you just calm that brain down and focus on the right things, that in itself will, will help you move forward. So Lee, talk about the brain and the connection. We, <clears throat> we don't know all there is about the brain. It's such a wonderful thing, right? It is. But how, how can you describe to someone um, how they can calm their brain, if that's what you're saying? What do you do? What does that look like? Well, what I do is I take an integrated approach. I do neurotherapy. I do neuro. What is that? Now, that is retraining the brain okay. to be in a regulated state. The way that I look at the brain, it's either regulated or dysregulated. If it's dysregulated, once you identify where the dysregulation lies, and that could be with the power, the electrical activity, that could be with the coherence, the way the brain shares information, that could be the timing in the brain. Once you identify where the dysregulation lies and what network in the brain, this is like a computer. It's all networks and hubs. Once you figure that out, then you can retrain it. And while we're doing that, we're working off of treatment goals. Because I honestly believe if you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to find it. Well, that's for sure. Has there been, final question to you, have there been things in your life from the stories you shared first until today that uh, have given you some really strong beliefs or piece of, pieces of advice around all of this anxiety that we're dealing with today and you're the expert in. Maybe leave us with some points of view that you've come to from your experiences. I think the most important thing is you have to own what you do and you have to own what you don't do. And Tell me more about that. Okay. The, when, when we know, let's say we know we get so anxious that it's hurting our relationships. Okay. And instead of saying, I understand that the way that I communicate with you or the way that I push you away is hurting our relationship, we just keep our head down and just hope it's going to get better. Right. Own it. Be the first to own it and say, I know things aren't the way they should be. Help me help myself. Being, you know, if you cannot do one thing, it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to say, I'm having a hard time. Could you help me help myself? You know, that word help, Lee, is so powerful. When you say to someone, help me, just think about it. The first thing that comes into the other person's mind is, okay, of course, of course I'll help. That word help, we don't, we don't ask for it enough. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I had to learn this, I don't know how many years it took, for me to ask for help. I still have a hard time, but I know 
that people want to help us. So I love that advice. People feel it's so good when you when they can help you. Yeah. And I know because nothing makes me feel better. And I, I get to live in that world of helping people, of just helping them become truer to themselves, stronger and better at everything they believe in and everything they do. You know, Lee, you're just grinning and smiling. Your eyes are just bubbling. Isn't it wonderful when you have found a career, which you have, unfortunately through some difficult situations, but still it seems to me that you are just in such a flow and that you're doing something that is so purposeful. Um, is there one thing maybe you could share with people who are anxious because they're not finding their flow and not finding something of purpose? Never give up. <laughs> Never give up. And it's your responsibility if you're in a career or a job that does not fit you. It is your responsibility to find options. And there's lots of assessments. You know, there's a world of things you can do online, and there are world, there's ways that you can do that working with people. Mm -hmm. But explore. And I think a lot of times fear. We're afraid. I don't like this. I don't like this. But we're afraid because sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. <laughs> That's very true. And sometimes it can be outside of work. If you just go outside of your thought process and think, well, what can I do maybe in the community or what can I do with the neighbor down the hall or something? And pretty soon ideas will come, but we've got to get out of ourselves and we just get so bogged down. I am uh, delighted that you wrote this book. It's got so many things in it, Lee, about the brain and about just life in detail. You talk about motivation and creativity, certainly stress. I love this one. After 40, the brain plateaus. Oh my gosh, I hope not because I just hit 40. <laughs> okay, that was a lie. But um, I'm that glad you wrote it. That shows your creative part of your brain still working, <laughs> Valerie. You know, one final question about creativity. I often hear when I am coaching, uh, someone will say, well, I'm not very creative. And brain expert, what would you say to them? I would say stop saying that. <laughs> because Good. you're telling yourself you're not creative. Exactly. You know, creativity is not a right side brain thing only. It's connectivity. Uh -huh. So if you're not feeling creative you're not connecting you're not engaging with everything that's around you there are things that everyone does that are that are creative we just have to have someone else pull them out of us absolutely Valerie, when uh, i do have a question great you don't mind okay um so uh lee regarding um mindset um would you mind talking a little bit about how the type of mindset mindset we have affects the brain and how a change in mindset can change how we operate? You know, that's a really interesting question and it plays to a, a very important part. Okay, this is a true fact. The brain takes in 11,000 bits of data every second. Only wow. 40 bits of that data can be processed on the conscious level, which is the mind. The rest of that is processed on your subconscious level and that is your brain. And I've always told my kids, listen to your gut, because your gut is your subconscious. How many times have you gone to sleep thinking, I gotta get up the next day, I gotta make a decision about this, and you wake up and boom, that decision is there. 
So the way that I see the, you know, the, the mind, that's the conscious level of thinking. And the brain, that's the subconscious level. And the brain will figure it out. It's just that you have to trust it. And it's on a conscious level, people that are anxious, well, I tell myself all day long, don't feel that way. Don't let that, j- that leg jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Well, does that stop it? No, because you need the subconscious, the brain, to get regulated, and that will stop it. All right, I have to pull in one other question on that. When you say regulated, how can we regulate our brain without coming to get the therapy? Absolutely. You can practice mindfulness. You know, you can... and. This is a true statistic. 80% of us are either worried about the future or lost in the past. Stay present. Mm. Present is a gift. Mm -hmm. And if you stay in the moment, instead of, you know, letting that fortune teller in your brain go off, well, that's not going to work out. And if that causes that, this is going to happen. You know, just stay in the moment and stay there and appreciate what's going on around you and then you don't find yourself jumping forward or jumping back because when you do you jump either way it's an unpleasant experience it is what stresses you the most well right now (laughs) in the presently in the present i'm looking for new space because i lost my space to the tornado Oh, but but every day it's the thing that stresses everybody out. It's worrying about my family. You know, family comes first. Um, But right now, family's taking a second. So don't stop for a moment because I have to ask about that. We get so many tornadoes and bad weather in Texas. So you just went through something pretty traumatic. I did. So go ahead and tell us about it and how you have kept going well it it is very traumatic when I started Monday morning at 7 a.m. trying to get to my office I had no idea what had happened there couldn't get there I got there around noon I parked a ways back from my office because I couldn't get close in a residential and I walk up and I walk in that office door and I see that pink asbestos that insulation just covering everything and I'll never lose that vision but Mm. immediately I got you know you just start pulling it out taking it out getting my technology out of there and I think at that moment you're in such an adrenaline rush you know you don't even stop and think about it and then as the week plays on you become you you go through the grief cycle you do don't you You truly even if it's a computer you've lost in an office it doesn't have to be a a death to go through the grief cycle no you do and all the good thing for me is i thought you know oh my gosh think about those people because one block over there were houses yes. that were destroyed yes and i have so much to be thankful for and i think i may have told you this that monday night i laid in bed and i started to get all negative and i just said dear god help me stay grateful and thankful and don't let me get pissy pissy (laughs) it's okay for you to say that on this show because that's a real feeling it is and it's not and it's not a good feeling when you know you feel yourself going down why did i say that why did i act that way don't let me go there 
well, you're you're um, you're amazing in how you got through that because that was a really big event in our city, and one that in October having tornadoes really. And you know, I'd like to just say one thing: mm-hmm. the community around us. Ebby Holiday opened up their office to me, hmm. and they. I'm a client. I've been mm-hmm. a client a couple of times, but they said, you know, we'll give you temporary space until you can find real temporary space. Now, see, there you and go. The, and I've seen that Help. throughout Dallas. Yep. You know, it's a sense of community that mm-hmm. helps us come together. And just me hearing Mark Cuban gave $100,000 to DISD. I know his kids don't go there, but that makes me feel... Dallas is going to come back from this. Yeah. When the tough, when the when the things get tough, the tough get going in so many ways. Lee, you're a real example of living everything that you're doing for other people. Thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll look forward to having your book come out very soon. It will be out very soon. All it will right. be on my website next week. And your website is thebrainperformancecenter.com the brain all right and there it is audience up on the screen for you right now thank you so much for listening this has been interesting just to have an expert on the brain talk to us about things like everyday life stress anxiety and a few tips on how to do it but you're going to have a whole lot more in her book so thank you so much and until next time stay authentic enjoy life and i think lee really does have a good point there's always something we can be grateful for something find it it really does help bye for now thanks for listening to receive valerie's voice free monthly leadership tips and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching visit her website valerieandcompany.com next week we'll be here again to inspire engage and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.